Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hi, Kevin, Property Soldier here, and welcome to this episode of the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. Today, I have got in the studio Des Marrera, and Des um, owns a block management company. Say hi, Des. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Des, how many um, developments are you managing at the moment? Uh, so we manage about 60, 16 developments across about 1,200 units. 1,200 units. Yeah. Okay, so quite a large um, operation currently in, uh, in existence that you're currently managing. So clearly there's a service combination angle to this interview. Sure. And what I want to get from you is, well, I'll ask about your background in a minute, but the the theme of this is going to be a block management's perspective to serviced accommodation. So tell me a little bit about what you've done before um, up until, um, you know, what you're currently doing. Sure. So I used to work in housing for many years for the local authority for my sins, um, but that led me somewhat into block management. And I'll be honest, I just bought a flat. Uh, that was it. I bought a flat in a new build block of flats when I was a bit younger and I wasn't happy with the management and I suppose I I sort of fell into it. There was an opportunity. I met somebody who was interested in taking it over and I sort of propositioned them to say, hey, I think we could do this together and do a better job. And that's kind of how I got into block management. Um, But yeah, so we started doing that several years ago and organically, I suppose, grew and obviously took on more clients and took on new schemes. So that's what I do now. Seems to have scaled pretty quickly to quite a big operation. So you must be doing something right. Uh, Yes, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a slow burn. I mean, block management is, it's complex yet simple at the same time. So um, yeah, it's like been, I would probably say sort of we've organically grown. We haven't grown rapidly, but organically over a period of time. What area? Uh, London and Essex. London and Essex, yeah, great, yeah. Okay, Des, so, from a service accommodation perspective, an awful lot of people are a bit afraid of block management companies. <laughs> and let's, let's be honest, block management companies would prefer owner-occupiers or long-term um, tenants to be in, in the properties. Sure. And so we, we get that, absolutely. And it, we know, I know, that a lot of it comes down to the lease and whether or not the lease allows serviced accommodation. But would you agree that there's a bit of a grey area in terms of the lease, whether you can or can't? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Unfortunately, with block management, the complex comment I made is probably in the technicals when it comes to things like the lease. Um, the lease is complex. It's the Bible. It is the th- it's everything you should and shouldn't do to some extent. And unfortunately, they're often worded in ways that not everyone can interpret easily. And there often there's gray areas. So you always need to refer to the lease. It does tell you what you can and can't do, especially in respect of service accommodation in terms of can you let it on a short-term basis? Mm. Um, can you let it on a commercial basis? So yeah, the, the, the lease is like the most important document if you're gonna get into service accommodation mm. to consider. Sure, and so if a lease just, you know, 
just to cover that point, um, if the lease says no short-term letting allowed, uh, owner-occupier only, AST only, things like that, then you know that prohibits service accommodation. Uh, but there's an awful lot of leases which look like they prohibit service accommodation because yeah. they might say something like no business use and people think, well, that's prohibit service accommodation. But in reality, that's more more to do with no running a motorbike repair shop or something like that. Yeah, from... because as soon as you say no business use, people say, well, it's a commercial venture. Yeah. So if you think of letting it on a short-term basis, the old school trail of thought was it's a B&B, a traditional B&B, uh, whereby you're letting out a room on a nightly basis. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's a commercial venture. Therefore, it falls under that interpretation, which isn't obviously necessarily true it's just how you've interpreted it so it's very important that you are clear about the lease and i would always say and we have to do this all the time as a block management company because not just in respect to this but in other aspects of this we get challenged on it all the time so we've got to be absolutely crystal on the point if we give someone advice even on is this allowed in terms of service accommodation we've got to be absolutely crystal that we're giving the right advice otherwise we're open to all sorts of legal challenge mm. so we can't say it and not support it we have to be able to back it up with with evidence yeah you know it has to stand up in court almost yeah, yeah. as a matter of fact and and so we were having a chat just before we this this live weren't we um and you know at Progressive, on our service accommodation training, we're, we're teaching people, because clearly, block management company is going to be afraid of the people that yeah. don't know what they're doing. They're going to yeah. have Airbnb party houses and stuff <laughs> like that. And so we can understand yeah. why block management companies might be afraid. Um, so, you know, we, we teach that um, none of our guests are coming in with, and if they haven't signed our terms and conditions. They, sure. uh, we need to see photographic ID. We've got their credit card details. We do not allow one night stay. Sometimes it's three night minimums. We're, we're actually chasing long stay corporate guests, etc. And the block management companies just would not even know um, our people are in, in the uh, apartments nine, sure. 99 times out of 100. And so, yes, if you operate correctly, you shouldn't be causing an issue to the block management companies. But I've just got a little little share on this actually, Des, in, in that um, I had somebody approach me and say that um, they wanted my service accommodation company to manage his apartment. And he, he bought an apartment um, in a block and I wanted to see the lease because I want to see whether or not the lease allows service accommodation because I didn't want to get months down the line, block management company to say yeah. you can't do it and the lease proves it because life's too short to be arguing with block management companies. Um, so I said to him, you know, you need to get, get me a copy of the lease. And um, for some reason his solicitor didn't have it, etc. I said, well, ask the block management company because they all have a copy of the lease. Don't say it's because you want to do service combination though, because they will just say, no, you're not allowed, all right? So anyway, he came back to me, said, oh, there's a copy of the lease, the head lease and the sub lease, by the way, and um, said, but the block management company aren't gonna let, let you do service combination. I said, well, how do they know? He said, I told them. So a little bit of a, a, a fail on that one. Um, but I had a look at the lease and the lease was actually a lease that allows a hotel because there was a hotel in the whole building. One side of the building was a hotel was and the right. other side was apartments. So I've never seen a lease that allows service combination more than this <laughs> lease. I've never ever seen such a pro service combination lease. I, I decided though, because I had a little chat with the block management company and they were adamant that they weren't going to allow it. And even though they would not have beat me in court, 
they would not have been able to stop me. Life's too short, and I decided to say to the owner, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really interested because I, they're a bit feisty, these block management people, mm. and, I, and I don't really want to have a battle with them over it. So I decided not to do it then. So we do advocate having a look at the lease, and yeah. then if the lease allows it, um, then I, I personally don't have any issues with doing it as long as you do it the way we say and so you're not going to be causing issues to the neighbours etc and then if the block management company come and challenge you you can say look the lease allows it um, and yeah. so yes whatever reason they have challenged you if it was something that has caught you know come to their attention then do your best to resolve that but ultimately I wouldn't allow a block management company to say tell you no you can't if you can yeah. What, what, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I think it's about just consideration because you've got to bear in mind the block management company, it, for them, it doesn't really matter whether someone is an owner-occupier, a tenant on a maybe a, a typical AST, or even on a short, if it's service accommodation, on a much shorter let. What the block management company gets interested in is in either the behaviour or what's going on at site. So the block management company normally are concerned when if they get complaints. So if they start getting complaints come in, oh, there's been parties, this is happening. That's normally when the block management company find out that there's actually some kind of service accommodation situation. So again, if you've got tenants or people live coming in on short-term lets, if it's been managed properly, if I suppose due consideration is given to the communal areas, which is what they're ultimately managing, that's what the block management company is interested in. And that goes for anybody, whether they're owner, occupier, like I say, on AST or, or, or service accommodation. So it's not really the tenure that's really the interest of the block management company. But you rightly picked up that if you ask a block management company, can you have, you know, for example, can I advertise this property in Airbnb, which would be the what's in every block manager's head, the, the, the answer will be no as a default which might be wrong in some cases. But you've also got to bear in mind, I think in the little world, and I say the little world, but in the niche of block management, what, go, what gets put out to block management companies in respect of short-term lets or service accommodation is that don't do it, don't allow it. But the truth is it's actually really hard legally to stop it from happening. That's also the other side. So whilst they might say no, their legal recourse is no one's going to spend thousands and thousands of pounds legally because it's not their money mm. to stop you doing it. Yeah. So that's also in a, a reality. But for like investors, that puts them off. Yeah, if they're absolutely. going to fight with a block management company, they're just like, like you said, no one wants the hassle. The whole point of the investment is it to be hassle-free for lots of people. So it is a problem. Um, but yeah, you, 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 you said it. You've got to check the lease. The lease sure. is the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we hear time and time again... Um, people saying that, oh, I've got a problem, I've got forward bookings and the lease doesn't allow it. A block management company are breathing down my neck and, and the, they, they have, what, what normally happens is the block management company will, especially on rent to serviced accommodation. So, you know, people are, are renting from the owner or doing SA management from an owner. Block management company just leans on the owner and, and makes threats and then the owner wants to pull the property. And we, we actually say to people who come to us, well, why did you do it? Did you check the lease? Quite often they didn't. So, you know, word to the wise is, is check yeah. the lease first to make sure that service accommodation is allowed. But let's, let's talk a little bit about the scaremongering that a block management company <laughs> might do with the owner. And so they might say things to the owner like, well, we'll, we'll get the lease revoked. 
um, and yeah. things like what what do you think about the likelihood of that happening well the the harshest sort of response shall we say to someone letting it out where they shouldn't be would be we it's a breach of lease and we're going to um, take you to court for a breach of lease um, which is potential forfeiture proceedings which is the forfeiture of the lease and that would be the harshest sort of position which in to take. Which in terms would be... Would be take the property back off yeah. you. But the, well, the reality... The freeholder would. The freeholder. The block man, yeah, depending on the, the legalities of that lease, if it was a two-party or tri-party lease. But yeah, the freeholder, or it could be a resident management company who, who has to do it. But the reality is, it's so unlikely to the point I don't believe it's happened. I stand corrected if someone finds a case, but I'm pretty certain no one has been taken to court and their lease has been forfeited on the basis of a service accommodation situation. So the reality is, and it's also costly to know, you know, some leases will say you can't have pets, you can't have, specifically you can't have dogs or cats. They'll actually name the pet like a cat. You can't have a cat. If someone's got a cat, lots of people have cats. If you try and take them to court, the judge will just laugh. So you won't even get it into the court because it doesn't matter if it's a breach of lease. He's not gonna forfeit that property over a cat. It's not going to happen because you've got to remember that it's such a big investment regardless of whether it's £50,000, half a million pounds, a million pounds, the value of the property. No judge is going to forfeit that property over a cat and also over serviced accommodation, I believe. So I just think the reality is it costs a lot of money to take someone to court. Management companies don't want to do it. They probably will threaten, but I'll be honest, that's probably as far as it will go. Some companies might try and take it further and put applications in, but the truth is they're not going to go because it's just all expenditure. Yeah. Um, that's very hard to recover um, through the means in which they collect money. So it's, the reality is it's more threatening than anything else. Sure. They're trying to scare you, I think, into yeah, no. not doing it. Well, I mean, and, and it's just worth getting the other um, perspective on this because there, there can be a lot of scaremongering. You can understand why the block management company might quote what they could potentially do, but the reality is is probably something different. Mm. I am aware of a, a, a case went to a court, a Nemcova versus whatever the block management company was, and ultimately it went all the way to the high court, and then the high court said, it depends that they were as vague as that. So even there's there's very little case law that um, will back up the argument that a lease could be revoked or yeah. uh, somebody could lose in court. So absolutely. Um, so what what else would what advice Des would you yeah. give somebody wanting to do serviced accommodation? Clearly, if we do know, we've already established that if they came to you, you would basically say, look, we don't allow it. I mean, you might you might just say that or you might just prefer that because you don't know what they're going to bring to your blocks, sure. right? Sure. But let's say somebody, um, it came to your attention that someone was doing serviced accommodation um, and we, we sort of already know that you would take a pragmatic approach to it. You would manage the situation as best you can. But for somebody wanting to do service accommodation, and let's make the point here that service accommodation is not just apartments, okay? No. I, I bang on the drum yeah. all the time, but please don't forget about the houses where there's nine times out of 10 no leases and they're, they're, you know, they're freehold, except, well, not just nine times, 90% of the time there's no lease with houses, no block management companies, etc. 
But for people that are want, they may have their own apartments, they yeah. might want to manage other people's apartments, they might want to do rent to SA, um, what would be your advice to those people? Um, well, I think you, I mean, for us, we come across two types of people. We get the person who's doing it themselves and they are just putting it online, trying to maximize their investment. And they're the sort of people that we get frustrated with probably more so because there's no consideration being given to the property and they're not really caring who, come in, who comes and goes. And often that's where you get problems. So I would say someone wants to get into service accommodation, clearly the model works well in terms of the revenue, it's very attractive. I know lots of people who do it personally. I would say you need to make sure that it's managed properly. I think it's like with the tenure, is kind of irrelevant, but it, specifically with service accommodation, you've got to make sure it's managed. And if it's managed by an agent who understands service accommodation, in this conversation, in the context of a block of flats, not obviously freehold houses, they will give due consideration to the management company. So you said already in the example you gave that you contacted the management company. Now, if you were just doing that on your own, you just wouldn't care. You wouldn't even make that initial step. But that in itself shows that you, you're given consideration. So I think there's a way in which you can manage it. And obviously, um, you can learn how to do that on the service accommodation course. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, um, so, yeah. uh, we hadn't rehearsed that, actually. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, we're going to train people how to yeah. um, avoid the potential problems um, later on down the line. So um, that, that, that was really useful, really useful, Des. Desmond, uh, no, that, um, <laughs> thank you. And so, have you got anything else to to add? If not, I'm going to sort of invite you to to uh, share how people might be able to contact you. Any other sort of um, things that you might be able to to help people yeah, with? Yeah, I, I would just echo what you've already said. Is that if you're going to get in service accommodation, specifically in blocks of flats, think about all the considerations. The lease. It's obviously very attractive as a model, um, but obviously I would encourage you to learn how to do it and the best practice of managing it because it is unique. In it's not the same as not typical buy to let, yes. so it is unique, and I think you need to learn how to do it. You know that gives all the parties uh, consideration. You made a really good point there, actually, Desmond, um, because I'm an experienced buy to let landlord. I'm, I'm an experienced HMO landlord, and there's no comparison actually with buy to let and HMO and service accommodation and a lot of people think that there is and there just is not so please don't um, underestimate the what you need to know in order to do service accommodation you can't just decide to list your property on Airbnb and not get problems um, so no that was actually a very valid point Desmond thank you you um, so if anyone wants uh, social media or you've you got any sort of uh, yes means that people so can contact you yeah, if they're sure. in your area they might consider yeah so I mean you can contact me most people I contact through LinkedIn um, or desmarrera.co.uk have a how, how are we spelling it so m-o-r-e-i-r-a desmond yeah. marrera um, yeah. i have a podcast the more of marrera show um, which is centered mainly around block management and it is a business podcast so i do talk to some non-block management people in it <laughs> so if you're in or interested you might find that interesting um, but yeah by all means follow me on there that'd be great Great, Desmond. Thanks very much You're for your very time. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Hope you found that useful, everybody. And as I always finish, here's to your success in serviced accommodation. Thanks for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. If you have any suggestions on future content for this podcast, please message Kevin via his Facebook page, Property Soldier.